Welcome to Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About. I am Amanda Lauren, and I am ridiculous, and I am with my co-host, Allie. <laughs> Allie Levine. That's awesome. And I'm with my... No, new tagline. I know. I'm Amanda Lauren, and I am ridiculous. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> the reason why hey, we found... I'm Allie Levine. <laughs> the reason why... <laughs> If the reason why we sound like we should edit it, this is because um, we are sort of on the line with AJ Benza. We've been having like monster problems with yeah, Skype. Yeah, technology's not working. Technology is not working, and we just feel off. We actually had the same problem with Kate Casey, which was why we ended up using Uber Conference. I'm I'm even hoping this record. No, I think this is for <laughs> sweet Jesus. Please let this record. Um, so if you guys don't, I wanted to to do a podcast with AJ Benza, who I've now got an alley into because. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's really well known to many millennials, and I think he's he's amazing. Like, I think he's one of the most interesting, I would say, like, media figures. Yes. Media figures out there. Um, I've been kind of, like, an AJ Benza super fan. Yeah, Amanda's been obsessed for a long while. Like, since my age has been in single digits, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is totally inappropriate, but as you totally know... inappropriate. I didn't even understand how that was possible. Um, I mean, like, my parents put a cable television in my room. But um anyway, you know, it's it's funny because I I just I think he's so he's just done so much and he has this like okay, I could literally listen to him talk all day. He has this like Long Island, Brooklyn accent and he doesn't really sound like anyone else and it's kind of it's kind of delicious. And he has this podcast called Fame is a Bitch and if it's that, so good. Oh, it's so good. And if you if that sounds familiar, it's because it's what he used to say when he hosted the show on E! called Mysteries and Scandals, which as a very young kid, I would call the mini E! True Hollywood stories of people who I've never heard of. Because they were like half an hour. Um, and it's sort of about this old Hollywood. And he's very like old world. He's very much not what you're used to. He, But he's real and he's hilarious. And, um, oh, he's also known for the Stern show because he got kicked off for, um, punching (laughs) stuttering John, um, in the face. Uh, and then he was never asked back and we might talk to him about that. I don't know. My, no, my husband said, you, you have to talk to him about certain... By the way, I just want everyone to know, I asked my husband to be the third co-host of this, but he's so shy he wouldn't. But I'm like, oh my God, that would be so much fun. Oh, okay. So anyway, obviously, clearly, we're just trying to kill time before we can get him back on the line. Yep. But... Um, I think we're going to Uber conference him now. I think we're going to... I think we're going to Uber conference him now. So stay tuned. I have an echo. <laughs> what? Is it, do I have an echo? <laughs> Oh, I hope not. Oh. No, because you literally just said what I said. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you... I've had a very long weekend. It's Monday. Amanda is so beyond jet lag. It's kind of hilarious. I'm, I'm completely insane right now. We'll probably not even use this intro because I sound like a fucking no, I think we should. I think it's hilarious. Is this the funny? The real behind the scenes. The real behind the scenes is I had a very challenging weekend and I had to leave New York early and I was in and out of New York from LA in what, like not even 30 hours. It was absolutely painful. I had a bad incident with JetBlue and I'm trying to not get banned from the airline even though it was not my fault this time. Um, this time. This No, it was, I know, I don't even want to talk about it on the podcast. Maybe later on. I know. Let's maybe, I'll, maybe I'll tweet out the video. I don't know. Anyway, let, let's get AJ on. Um, oh, anyway, wait, before we forget, obviously, like, write a review directions are in the show notes. Yes, and here's please. something else. If you don't want to write a review, 
share it on Facebook, Twitter, Insta stories, but share this. That's all we ask for you to do. We don't charge you. We don't even have advertisers yet. <laughs> this is true. So share well, share we, the show. Do, Tell a friend. We some hooked up sponsors. I know. I and know. we'll hook you up like a tow truck if you give us lots of good reviews. Exactly. Exactly. Um, give me the number for AJ. Okay. I am going to pause this and here we go. This is us with AJ, hopefully. I wanted to sort of, I guess I sort of like wanted to start from the beginning um, because I have been like, I'm going to sound so creepy. I've been a super fan of yours since like my age was in the single digits um, because my parents never censored the television. I would literally fall asleep to Howard Stern on E every (laughs) single night. I would watch like mystery scandals. I called it mini E True Hollywood stories. Yeah, I know. That show. What a bless! I, you know, it was a blessing. I, I land. I came to LA with a show. Already, I was already cast as the host, so I was very lucky. And I had a five-year run, and we did 172 shows. And wow. I, none of us, none of us knew how lucky we were. E back then, E was like working at a university of how to learn how to do TV. It was so many people in the building, so many beautiful girls, so many cool people learning, you know, Jules Asner, uh, uh, what's her name, the hot girl who was, you know, uh, Brooke Burke, myself, John Rivers, Howard Stern. We had a, it was a cool bunch of people that were doing TV. And, um, you know, everything changed when they started to decide to go into the Kardashian business. Um, they did really well. They made a fortune on that, but their network sucks now. No one cares about E. But Amen. twenty years ago, yeah, of course not. No one, no one cares. I mean, I, it sounds like I'm bitter by saying that, but I'm, I'm not bitter. I just really wish that they. I look, it's show business, so they went to get the money. I get that, but the programming is awful, and there should be a channel somewhere in this universe that people who come out to LA can see programming about all the stars that ever came here from the beginning of time to right now. You should be able to see shows about Judy Garland and Kevin Spacey and Harvey Weinstein. You, you, you should just have it. It should be 24 hours like C-SPAN because this is LA and they should do that, but they'll never do it. I, I, I have hope, that. though. No, but I have hope because nostalgia is so big right now, and they're yeah. bringing back. I mean, they're redoing every movie. They they brought back Full House, and they brought back. They're bringing back Roseanne, and they're bringing what other shows? I feel like I'm missing something on the like. They brought bringing, back uh, that that uh, that VH1 show, that '90s show that they're doing like. Will, the, Will and Will and Grace, Will and Grace. Oh, yeah. Will and Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they well, are sort of here's bring, the bad, bringing. Well, here's, here's the bad. Hey, here's the bad news. They're bringing back mysteries and scandals, but without me. What? Did, did, did no. you know that? Well, here's, no. what, here's what happened. Here's what happened. <clears throat> back in May, my middle sister died. I went back to New York for the funeral, and, you know, I'm at the funeral, and don't ask me why, but I'm looking through my phone, I, I'm reading Variety, and there's an announcement. That Mysteries and Scandals is being rebooted. You have to understand, Comcast Television owns E. They also own the Oxygen Network. 
And the story was that Oxygen is going to reboot and do mysteries and scandals again. And the host is Soledad O'Brien, who's oh, fucked. Wow. She's, she's a piece of shit. She's, not, she's, she's horrible. And uh, one of my ex-supervising producers called me to tell me that was going on. And I just, I couldn't stay calm. I ripped her a new asshole. I said, you, are you kidding me? You came out of retirement to run this show again, and no one reached out to me. And, well, no, she goes, well, AJ, we're really shooting for a female audience, and we skew female. And I go, I've been skewing female since I'm 12 years old. Girls like me, so don't give me that female <laughs> shit. But uh, it's like the uh, television's changed. It, it, I've done nothing to do about it, but you'll see mysteries and scandals, I think, I don't know when, probably January. I hope it'll suck. It'll never be like the show we did. We won't be watching. We, we won't, wait, furthermore, and yeah. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I heard from, like, someone very big that Oxygen is, like, literally on life support, and we were yes, having I heard the same thing. from, from yeah. a major person that they're almost done as a network. Yeah, they are. They, they, there's nothing there, of course. There's nothing there. And honestly, since May, I haven't heard any more reports about that show. So I don't know what's happened or what's going on, but I'm a real Sicilian witch and I put the hex on that show and I put the hex on the people who are putting it together. So I wouldn't be surprised if it dies on the vine, but the people, the, the, the handful of us who started mysteries and scandals, we really feel awful about that, that they wouldn't even bring the original team back to do it. That sucks. That sucks. It was such a good show, but I also feel like you did some stuff for the real channel that was very similar. Yeah, yeah well, that's what happens. You know, networks, what happened is about three, four, three years ago, I, I got an email from a young producer at the Reels channel pitching me to be on a show called Hollywood Scandals, and I'm reading the pitch, and I called her back. I go, so you're, you're basically pitching me to do my old show but you want me to be a talking head? She says, well, and she was like 23. She was probably nine when my show was a hit. I said, okay, <laughs> I'll do the show. And I remember telling my wife, I said, I'm going to do this show for the Reels channel, but I guarantee you that I'll, I'll get my own show out of it. And I did. I did the show for them, and it was fun. And then, lo and behold, uh, I met some executives, and we were able to get a show called Case Closed on the Air. It was only eight episodes, but it was like, me uh, re-dissecting shows, uh, episodes like Brittany Murphy, Tupac, Princess Di, Elvis, and it felt good to be back in that seat to do that, which I love to do, but, um, uh, you know, every time there's a Hollywood show that comes up, I'm always the guy they start to think of, but, uh, you know, the climate's very different. I, I don't know what to say. I was a, I'm a gruff, tough, very male-oriented host. I say things a certain way. I have a certain attitude. And um, not everybody likes that approach. So I'm not going to change who I am. Uh, they like to be safe. They like to be really safe. Like, let's get Soledad O'Brien. She's got a news background. She can speak <laughs> about the, And I, You know, if that's your cup of tea, fine. But uh, you know, most people like the shows that I did. They like that there's somebody with an attitude. Like you want, you want somebody to talk about Judy Garland, but also give you a little bit of, give her a little bit of shit for trying to commit suicide 19 times. 
you know, like there, there should be somebody that's hosting the show that has an attitude and doesn't just regurgitate facts. Which yeah, well, this is what, why women love you because you're you yeah. have that like sassy attitude and you're not afraid to say what you want and you're just yourself. And personally, I always think that realness is like a talent versus like these people who they put in. They're like basically censored and are like, okay, I won't do anything that's no not going to help. You know, you as a community are not going to be political bullshit, and it's like it's so boring. But we're like, well, so yeah, good. it's not. It's it's not even that. It's it's all also. It's like okay, when I put on these shows about celebrity and Reels Channel is a big culprit. I'll watch some of their shows, and it's like, why is there a twenty-two-year-old talking head from some piece of shit magazine who's going to tell me about Marlon Brando when? I studied with Marlon Brando's acting coach. I dated Marlon Brando's daughter. This little punk is not going to tell America more about Marlon Brando than I can. That kind of stuff bothers me. If they want the real deal, and the guy that's been in the in the, in the foxholes with a lot of these celebrities, not the old, old ones, but I'm very connected. I'm back this 25 years. There's usually a connection between me and the celebrity and that's what I like to bring out when I do these shows. I don't, I don't just read Wikipedia and give them lines that anybody can read. It, it, that's bullshit. Who cares? Who cares? So true. We, we agree. It's so funny. Like, you were saying, I don't remember what episode of your podcast it was, but I, I was, like, doing my makeup and almost got, like, mascara in my eye when you were talking uh. about... Jenner and you're like millennials, you're fucked. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was about it was about Jay Mansfield and Sophia Loren, that famous picture when they were at the Golden Globes and yeah. Sophia was really jealous, staring down at Jane's low cut dress and her, her nipples were out. And the point was that Sophia in that picture was twenty two and Jane was twenty four. And the star power, the poise the elegance they portrayed in that picture. Tell me who in, in this current generation can do that. Kylie Kardashian, Cardi B, Black China. Give me a fucking break. There's nobody that can do that. It's over. This generation does not have the elegant star power that existed years before. They don't have it. Yeah. Oh, no, you're right. And that's why... We don't all, even have elegance. Right. We didn't have elegance. And that's why all the Kardashians had to get pregnant again in order to get renewed on E. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. And every, I mean, every, literally, no, it's like he wasn't going to pick them up. And then all of a sudden, all four are pregnant. And you hear that they sign a $150 million contract. And you're like, oh, okay. Crash again. I know. Back up. <laughs> I know. And and you got you got Scott. You got Scott Disick to, you know, let's face it. He's... He's gorgeous. Like Scott Disick looks like James Dean. If he if he wanted to just cool out and try to make something of his looks, he's so handsome. He's got three beautiful kids. He's he's into the the most profitable rich family in Hollywood, the biggest celebrities of our time. And yet he likes to go out and screw around with Bella Thorne and now Sophia Richie. And yep. And Sophia Richie two weeks ago was trying to offer cocaine to. Sylvester Stallone's daughters at a party. It's so gross. This is not Hollywood stardom. It's filthy crap. It's crap. It is crap. It's, it's totally crap. And it's, I can't even figure out, it's funny. It's like, sometimes I'll be into a celebrity. I always joke around that, like, 
my favorite Kardashian is um is Chloe, but I'm like I don't even know why I like these people, and I don't even yeah, know why. Like you actually like Kim, by the way. You just literally pause. I'm like, like my, my favorite, my favorite Kardashian. Kardashian. I don't even have a favorite. I'm so done with keeping up with them. I'm like, you're I over was it. So <laughs> I heard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to, that, that whole. It used to be, you know, when it first came out. I think Kim. I think Kim Kardashian for waist up, visually is gorgeous from the waist up. I don't like her big giant ass. I don't like to see her talk. I don't like to hear her talk or watch her cry. But visually, from the waist up, I think she's as gorgeous as any uh, pinup or whatever you want to call it we've had. As beautiful as Jane Mansfield, Marilyn, you name it. Kim is gorgeous. And the family, you know, they they have a thing. They, they, They tapped into something in America that we want to know about everybody's personal lives. But it's so obvious that all they're doing now is trying to get crazier and freakier. And, you know, I don't need to know. I mean, look, Bruce with the fucking sex change and Kanye's going berserk and Lamar tried to kill himself and Scott's now an asshole. Kylie's pregnant. But it's all a mess. And that's why. It's it's seriously a mess. It's kind of insane. Like when you like when you read about every single one of them, you're like, how the fuck are you even functioning? (laughs) No, that's why Islam hates us. They hate us because of, shot, because of crap like this. Because Islam hates... Here's the problem. I'm going to get real deep and silly. Islam hates us because of our, our reverence for the Kardashian show, A. And B, we'll never win a war again because our 23 and 4 and 5 and 6-year-olds are too into the Kardashians and social media... And if you put us against China's 25 or 28-year-olds, we're dead. They'll kill us. We're dead. We're in, we're in, if there was a draft right now, do you understand what China's army looks like? Even North Korea, that stupid idiot, they are gung-ho crazy for their leaders. They're crazy for their country. This country right now... The way we're split, the, the shit we care about, the way we're arguing about Trump and Hillary and Russia, we're, we're in such bad shape right now. I'm in a very bad, I'm in a very depressed mood about this country because of what's happening. I really am. There's no, I think there's very little hope for us. It's, it's sad. And it's just, you know what, it's like for me, I'm like, I, and I would say like Ali too, like we're definitely, like we're millennials, but we're definitely more old. We don't consider ourselves millennials because when you ask certain questions or things that you're saying and whatever, we don't check off any boxes except for the fact that we're the age of a millennial. It's like, yeah. I don't think you're, yeah, but you're older than, yeah, but my nephew's 35, 36. I don't consider you guys real millennial. I think you're, you're on that cusp where you kind of understand uh, older people and get the older generation. And I think secretly, deep down, a big parts of you want to be in that other generation because you would have wanted to be around in the 80s and especially the 90s. I don't think you see the 2010s as something that's a fantastic era. I don't think you, you see it that way. I mean, I was pretty wasted for most of the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's a fun that year. But I, I will say, 
It's, I love to, one thing that um, I really like about your podcast, especially is that you sort of talk about New York in, um, you know, the nineties and the eighties. And when you, it's so funny because like, Ali is going to have a heart attack when I say this, like oh, God. when you were talking about scores, cause I grew up on oh, 63rd yeah. I, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. People now just yeah. get fucking sapphires. No, it was scores, and you know you would always like see people and like if oh, I you no, know got yeah, yeah. everybody, everybody was there. There are certain eras in New York City that you can't argue about. Studio Fifty Four era, you can't argue that, that that's what the, that was the most important late night era in America. And I think the '90s when I ran around as a gossip columnist. I really, truly believe between scores and the, the, the Soho scene. No, I just think that I was very fortunate to be around amazingly popular, iconic people that were at their were at their zenith of popularity and cultural importance. And I happened to be lucky enough to cover that that those people. And uh, as a result, I got some of got some of the fame. That, that I brushed off. I, I you know, I, I covered amazing people. It just, it was a lot of luck involved. Yeah, how did you, so you were a gossip columnist for the New York Post, not Post, sorry, no, Daily no, News. Daily News, Daily News, yeah. How did yeah. you get started well, doing this? It seems like, no, an, I, I, like an unusual I, job. I know, I, I started as a sports writer, a high school and college sports writer for Newsday. And I was married and blah, blah, blah. I was married to my high school sweetheart. And then in 1990 or 91, we got a divorce. And I started to go out in New York City every night. And I started to really see things. And one night, I ran into Mickey Rourke, who I'm obsessed with. I have Mm -hmm. his name on my body. I've always loved him. This is when Mickey looked gorgeous, not the Mickey now. And I ran into him at a party for, for Vogue, Vogue magazine's 100th anniversary party, 100th birthday. And we hit it off in the street. And I ended up going with him in his car. And he took me to the best parties for a couple of nights. And I went back to my editor at Newsday and I said, I've seen some shit you wouldn't believe. And I gave her some tips. And then uh, two months, three months later, the Daily News wanted to hire her to run the gossip column. And she took me with her. And then about six months later, she retired and I took over the column. So, so many things happened that were just luck. It was just, I never thought I'd be a gossip column. I, I, I wanted to write sports. And then divorce, nightlife, an editor, retired. And I was Johnny on the spot. It just happened. And then I was very different. As a gossip columnist, there were, you know, there were gossip columnists for women, gay guys, or, or Brits. And I show up, some guy from Brooklyn who loves girls and wears a ton of silver jewelry and wore clogs and, you know, I'm just a very different character. And I stayed out till 5 o'clock in the morning. So uh, all that stuff made me very prevalent and, and, and kind of uh, relevant in the, in the gossip scene. That's awesome. That's, that's so fascinating. So then you were on the, the go- how did a gossip show on, on E! happen? Well, I was on, I did the show on E called The Gossip Show, which was like the precursor to TMZ in 92. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I, you can't even find it on YouTube. 
It was just a I bunch of us. Oh, you can't find it. I, I don't even know. I, I okay, but it was they just they sent crews into newsrooms and magazines, and we talked to the camera for a minute. And um, I don't know. Uh, the producers there liked me a lot. I was on five nights a week, and they would. One guy was developing a new show called Mysteries and Scandals, and he pitched me as the host. And they all said, no, 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 that's crazy. And then they go, well, wait a minute, that, that could be really interesting because he's very film noir, tough guy from New York, you know, fish out of water, a New York guy in the streets of Hollywood. And I flew out on my own dime and we filmed a four-minute pilot on Lana Turner. And I even held a little dry ice machine that pointed it at my <laughs> feet. It was very low rent. And about a month later, they said, you know, you're the host, you got the job. And it was 13 show episode. We worked on the 13th floor with 13 employees. Never thought I was happy to be in LA, but I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And boom, it, it lasted five years and 172 shows. So it just, uh, and I never had a show since then that lasted that long and had that left that kind of mark on, uh, on pop culture. I mean, that show put me on. You know, SNL put me on, Family Guy, The Simpsons. Uh, I can't tell you, 48 Hours. So many shows put me on their show because of Mysteries and Scandals. It was really a, you know, it was a really different time. It was very popular. It was very, very culturally iconic. I was the guy that said, fame ain't the bitch. And <laughs> about a year in, I started noticing... When I walk into a restaurant, you know, or onto an airplane, big movie stars were saying it back to me. Joe Pesci, Sharon Stone, Jack Nicholson, all these people that I, like, was in awe of would, would run up to me and start gushing about the show. And the reason why, you know, yeah, I was 10% of it, but 90% of it was we were dealing with all these old movie stars, and those are the reasons why we all came out to L.A., because we all wanted to be stars you know we all wanted to be celebrities so you couldn't miss with that with that recipe you really couldn't it was yeah no i remember it was it was a fascinating show let me what was your favorite episode or what do you think was the most interesting story that you told on that show i i love i i love there are some episodes that you probably wouldn't even remember the the the, the, the subjects but I love the Black Dahlia because before I did that show, I never heard of that murder. The, the, the woman, the, the actress, Elizabeth Short, who was found cut in half with her blood drained and her breast chopped off, her eyes gouged out, left in a lot in Hollywood. That freaked me out. The Peg and Twistle episode where the, the actress who wasn't getting work jumped off the Hollywood sign. There was some, I just did the Jane Mansfield show and uh, on my podcast, but, you know, to go to Jane Mansfield's mansion and, and sit in her heart-shaped pool, <clears throat> I, I, I never knew the kind of people I was going to meet. I was always a movie fan as a kid. I was obsessed with movies and old movie stars. So there really isn't a movie star that I wasn't obsessed with that I didn't cover, from Bogart to Gable to Cary Grant. To people that you never heard of, like Alana Zimova, uh, Ramon Navarro, crazy murders, crazy deaths that were, they're so interesting. And 
a lot of those shows were only done once by us. They could be done four or five different times. And I'm, I have a show that's, that's, in, that's sitting on the desk of a major showrunner, um, a woman that created Mob, Mob Wives, and um, she got a new gig, and she's running a new network. And, you know, those things, they just never go out of style. And I, and I think, I think those, they'll come to life again with me as a host. Um, I think I'm closer to that happening now more than ever. No, it's, I, it's, a, it's all something on Twitter. Someone, or maybe it was your Instagram. Someone was saying that you should make your podcast into a, into a show. And you said that you were trying to, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I got so many things I'm doing, but to just put a camera in that studio and watch me talk, I don't think it's worthy of a show. I just don't. I, it, I don't have three guests. I, it's not wacky. It's me talking into a mic. Yeah, I just don't think it's a show. It's not a show. So I know people, everybody thinks that a, everybody thinks a podcast or a radio show should be a TV show. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I don't want to be on, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm really careful about that. First of all, I'm not 35. When I was 35, I was real fucking handsome. I know how I looked in a $2,000 Barney suit. I get it. I reap the rewards of those days. But now I'm 55 now. I show up at the podcast. I'm in sweats. I'm in a T-shirt. I'm fucking, you know, spouting about whoever. That's not a TV show. There'll be TV shows for me, but that, that one's not it. But I did say I'm looking into it because I don't have the time to tell people, nah, it's not a show. Not a show. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, anyhow. Not yet. If it develops into me and a guest, yeah, that's different. And then, 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 the, uh, then the possibility of it being a show is there. But no, not yet. Not yet. It's, what was I going to say? Well, actually, I was going to say, um, there are a lot of those sports shows, though, that they've turned, uh, what's their um the one with the gambling, uh, Boomer, which I, uh, Boomer and, um... Yeah, Carden. Boomer and Carden. Well, yeah, I like that. That's, you know, radio shows, yeah, I, look, I used to sit. I had the Howard Stern job. I had yeah, that job. Sure. I, I know. I, I, but, again, the dynamic is four or five people in a studio, and you've got Howard Stern, who was the best ever who ever lived. And Boomer and Carden, you know, I watch that sometimes. Without Carden, I kind of tune in... This whole thing about radio shows being televised, I don't know. I, you know, it, 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 I'm I'm glad to watch it, but I when I'm I'm in my room typing, I'm on the computer, and I have that on in the background. But I got to be honest, there there are too many people whose primary job is radio, and they just need to be on radio. They have a face for radio. They don't. They don't. They're not. It doesn't compute to them being a television star. So Howard Stern was different because he was the greatest show on earth. But all these oh, other radio shows who do it, they don't, they don't have it. Rich Eisen, Dan Patrick. I mean, it's, it's all a thing. I get it, but I'm not there. I think I, I think I have a personality that could work, but not until I have people around me. And it's just not something I'm shooting for right now. No, I mean, I definitely, I feel like you sort of, and this could also just be me being unaware. I feel like you had, what happened after Mysteries and Scandals? Because I feel like I didn't hear, like hypothetically hear from you for five minutes, kind of thing. 
And I feel like there was some time in between that and all of that. And now, like, when I, because when I saw that, like, you on the Reels channel a few years ago, I was like, oh, my God, that's AJ Benz again. (laughs) Well, a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of weird shit went down. My Mysteries and Scandals was great. And then, because it was so popular, they asked me, what else do you want to do? And they always knew I wanted to do a talk show. And they gave me a talk show called AJ After Hours, and it would have been great. And uh, we had great guests. It ran, it ran four episodes. And then as I was getting ready for the fifth episode, and this was, these were shot in New York, they canceled me as I was literally going to the studio to shoot a show wow. with Chris Rock. Chris Rock. I mean, I had like you know five great guests, and. I long story short, he had an executive named Mindy Herman who's a piece of shit. She didn't get talk shows. She was nervous about it, and she canceled it. And I told everybody at Mysteries and Scandals, I said, now that they canceled my talk show and they know how pissed off I am, they're going to cancel Mysteries and Scandals, and they did. And but uh-huh. again, we ran five years, and once they canceled that, and I had no talk show, they paid me for a year. They paid me a lot of money on the last year of my contract, to not say anything. So I sat there and bit my lip and, and earned a lot of money and stayed home, and I was depressed, and I drank, and I did drugs, and I went out every night. I did crazy things, and I disappeared because I wasn't able to talk about it. And I got very depressed, extremely depressed, because the New York the talk show would have got, brought me back to New York, back near my family. It just was everything I wanted. Anyhow, so that didn't work. So then, you know, it, you, just, you just don't get a TV show right away. The, the climate changed. The idea of a host who looked like me changed. It, it turned into the Ryan Seacrest, Mark Wahlberg type guys, frosted hair, skinny, un, uh, you know, very uh, PC, unassuming, not violent, you know. I was not the flavor of the. I, when I got popular, it was because the Sopranos were on TV every Sunday, um, and then once that ended, so kind of did the idea of me hosting your show. But then I got five years as a host on a poker show on the Game Show Network, which was the number one show, and every poker fan is just as obsessed with that show as Hollywood people are obsessed with mysteries and scandals. <clears throat> so I changed genres, but. I had a very popular show on Game Show Network. So I didn't disappear, but I wasn't doing what I love to do. And I um, couldn't find you fast enough. That's why she's asking if you disappeared. <laughs> no, no, I know. But what well, I was going to say, because I, I, I would not watch, I have no interest in poker, so maybe that's why I was. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I, I, listen, I, I took the poker show. I went, I went to read for the poker show because. The, uh, the the call came out for looking to cast an A.J. Benza type. And I said to my manager, I said to my manager, if I don't get this job, I'm quitting the business and, you know, going back to New York. And I got it, but the problem was I knew nothing about poker. So I made believe I knew about poker. And about five hours into the first show, my partner, my co-host said, do you play poker? I said, no. He goes, oh, my God. I said, sorry, I'm going to have to learn on the job. And we worked it out, and uh, I, my co-host was Gabe Kaplan, who was, you know, 
Welcome back, Cotter, who's a poker expert. And we had a great run. Uh, but yeah, but it, but if you, it, it wasn't the kind of show that Mysteries and Scandals fans would have watched. It, you just have to be a poker fan. So, <clears throat> uh, and then I got into writing. I wrote some screenplays and uh, I did a few films, but I wasn't uh, on television, which is where I love to be. So I kind of disappeared. And then, you know, I wasn't doing well. I really was not happy. I was, it was one of the worst, it was the worst times of my life. The only good news is that I found my wife in uh, uh, 2000, um, 2000, 2003, four. We got married in four. We had a baby right away. We had a baby a few years later. So I, I left that hectic life of uh, the insanity of being a single guy in LA and I became married. So I, I had a lot of changes going on. <clears throat> I would, I would have loved to have been on television in the capacity I was, but it's just sometimes in this town, they make you disappear and you got to disappear and you got to wait. You got to wait until it's your turn again. That wasn't my turn for a long time. That's uh, that, that sucks, but that's the way it goes. That's a really good point. You no, know, I'm like, I'm like, that's good advice. You know, it is so funny because I was, I was thinking about, about this, um, about, you know, this call and I was thinking that we're, we're sort of making you our Spencer Pratt. So we have a friend that does this show <laughs> called Adderall and Compliment, <laughs> Annabelle, and she was on, and she put Spencer Pratt on her show and then Spencer Pratt was everywhere. Mm-hmm. So oh, I, wow. so I am okay. sort of making it my mission. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Super, super, super fan. I mean, I'm a fan, not going to lie. Amanda got me really into you, but she's like a super (laughs) freak fan. No, like I couldn't fall asleep on, I couldn't fall asleep on an airplane and I had run out of your podcast to listen to and I started to cry down the (laughs) bottle of wine. (laughs) (laughs) And I passed out on my husband. You know what? That makes me really, that makes me feel really good because Here's the difference. When I wrote for the New York Daily News, I loved to write, and I could judge my popularity from, now get this, uh, this is a different time, but I was able to walk to work, and I'd pass bodegas, and I'd see the stacks, the heights of the stacks of newspapers. If the post was higher than the news, that means the news was doing great, and vice versa. And I could measure and gauge my success and popularity by the size of the stacks of newspapers. And then I did television, <laughs> and then I could look at ratings and see, okay. And all that is trying to change. I don't have a huge social media presence. I didn't join Twitter until like a year ago. Um, so I'm, the pod, I love the podcast because it allows me to go on and be me and speak candidly about topics and subjects that I love. But the sucky part is, you really don't know where you stand. I mean, I get numbers back, and I understand from the people who run the podcast, uh, the numbers are getting bigger, and that's great. But I, when, you, things like, when, you, when you tell me things like that, that's the kind of feedback that, you know, really makes me want to go back and, and keep, keep writing. And I don't just show up at the podcast and talk. I don't, I don't just show up and talk off the cuff and try to fill – so 25 minutes. I like to get in my house and write it out and know what I'm going to say and just make it more structural. So it takes more work. And I think that's going to pay off. Total opposite. What's that? 
essentially the total opposite of us, where we are just that's okay. so opposite. No, that's okay. I, I, I don't. I, I listen. I, I like what you guys do. I like what a, a lot of my favorite podcasts are people just talking, and I totally get that. I don't. I'm better when it's pre- when I'm prepared and with bullet points and. I know I have a beginning, middle, and end. Maybe it's the writer in me. I like a first, second, and third act. I don't know. I think I'm better. Because if I'm not structured, I'll go off and on tangents that uh, maybe wouldn't be best for me or the listeners. So, But I think what you guys do is great. You look good. You have a rapport. You, you do it together, and that's fine. It's, it works. <laughs> Thank you. Two hot messes somehow. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. fine. But it's so, it's a, it's like I always actually, it's so funny. I always am like, can't your podcast be long? Like, I feel like I need like an hour. <laughs> yeah, I you know. I think, I think about that. I don't know. You know, the people, the way my podcast started is a buddy of mine that I know since I'm 12 years old, he did very well. He's 55 like me. He, he did very well in the radio business and we kind of lost touch in college and, you know, I was on television and we just lost touch. And then all of a sudden I find out that he lives in, he lives one town away from me, but literally a mile and a half from me. And, you know, he's got the thing. I mean, he's, been, he's done extremely well. And we had breakfast and he's like, I'm telling him my stories and we're catching up. And he's like, I can't believe the shit you've seen and gone through. He goes, have you ever thought of a podcast? I go, yeah, of course. But I'm just trying to figure it out. He goes, no, I'm starting a company with a bunch of people who have, you know, years of radio experience and da 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 And so my podcast is the first one they put on. It's their company's called Workhouse Connect. And they've got now they've got like seven Perez Hilton is in uh, a bunch oh, of people that are real yeah, so they they they're building something. Um and I like doing it because he's a buddy I know since I'm twelve years old. And the biggest difference is when you have meetings in LA and you're LA people they never tell you that's stock, dude. Don't say that. LA people, every meeting is great. Every appearance, you were wonderful. Don't change this. Don't change that. The first day I went in the podcast studio with my buddies from high school, they literally go, "Yeah, you know, you sound your voice sounds fucked up. You sound nervous. Well, what's wrong?" I go, "You're right. I do. I sound like shit." And just because we're three friends who know each other since we're twelve. And to me, that's the biggest difference. When I sit down in the studio, I talk like I talked on, in Long Island, on Long Island back in the 70s because these guys got my back. And I'm not with phonies. And hopefully that'll, that'll become a thing and it'll all will prosper and the podcast will grow and it'll be great. But, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't like you sitting down with anybody and spilling my guts. Uh, or, or talking privately about things. I like being around people who know me and who have my back. Um, and he does. He does. And hopefully it'll grow. And I'm not making a penny yet. We're, we're doing this for four, three, four months. And we're almost at the point where we can, we can get some advertising, which would be great. But I still love doing it. Uh, I, 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 still, I do it for free, and I love doing it. But I want to make money off it. There's no fucking question about that. <laughs> Amen. I feel you on that. We we all start yeah. working on advertisers and making money off of ours, but we really love it right now, and we really do like love the audience and giving us a platform that we maybe like wouldn't have somewhere else, and what we're able to talk about. 
And so, you know, we're, we're enjoying it too. And, um, you know, yeah, I think yeah, like, yeah. because you have so many fans, AJ, and you've got, you know, so much that people that already know who you are. I think it's just a matter of time for your podcast to like fly off, you know, the charts I, for people to find what, it. That's what I was saying too, because I think that like at a certain point, look, at a certain point, you're fucking sick of the political correctness. And yeah, yeah. it becomes like a lot and, or people will say, Oh, well, you said this and this is them. And like, what I really think that your brand is and like why I've enjoyed you forever is that you're just not afraid to be totally fucking honest. And you. Yeah. And you. Oh, thank you. You know, that, that's what I said. I'll tell you, when the Harvey Weinstein scandal broke, I know Harvey for 25 years. Harvey gave me my first book deal and he came to me at times when I've been on the balls of my ass broke and he's reached into his pocket and helped sustain me. So it's very awkward when all this shit came out to speak, yeah. to speak ill of him. And, and trust me, what he has allegedly done, and I'm not, and fuck allegedly, I know he's done these things. I believe the women is, <laughs> I can't even begin, but I, everybody who knows me, knows that we, yeah, we thought he got laid. We thought he screwed around with starlets because it's L.A. and everybody wants to be famous. But the to, to the extent that these stories, I can't, no one knew. Maybe, maybe, maybe Matt and Ben and George and the people who are really in Hollywood who've been in hotels with him in, 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 in Cannes and Italy, maybe they knew. But guys like me didn't know. But, but the point is that when this broke, I I was on the phone with him, and I said, you know, I said, look, man, are you okay? And he goes, hey, you know, thanks for reaching out. Very few people do. I really appreciate it. And at one point I said, and I touched on this in the podcast, I said, let me ask you a question, Harvey. Did you ever have a rabbi that maybe touched you or brought you in the back room when you were seven or eight years old and maybe did bad things? I said, did that happen to you? Or maybe if it, if it did, you might want to bring that story out and tell people. And he kind of said, well, yeah, that did happen, but, you know, I'm not going to talk about it now. And, and I, I said to myself, how come no? And I said in the podcast, no one's speaking about this. And I'm not saying it absolves him from all the shit he did. But of course. It, it takes a monster to make a monster. And I'm not sure he was born that way. Did, did, did somebody implant this evil in him? Did somebody do bad things to him when he was a kid? No one's touched on that. So I'm glad that I have the podcast that I can raise that question. And he told me, you know, let's not bring that up, drop it. But obviously I'm bringing it up because I think it's important. But I like that. I like the ability to say shit like that on the podcast. I like to be able to say what I saw Kevin Spacey do in 1989 uh, and how a guy like me never believed for a second that he was straight. And, you know, like, this is very freeing to be able to talk about this. And you know, next, you'll hear my podcast on pedophilia Wednesday and Friday, where I really get into certain people and certain shit that I know that people have done. That I used to come home from LA to New York and sit with my family, and, you know, you know old, a bunch of old Italian relatives, they all want to know. Every time I get home, they'd say, Hey, you know, give us some stories. They all want to know who's gay. That's like people want to know who's gay in Hollywood. And I'd always go, nah, you don't want to know. I'm going to tell you names. You're going to... 
No, come on, tell us, tell us. And I go, all right, well, you know Tom Cruise, you know Cruise and Travolta again. And if they couldn't accept that, I couldn't go further. I'm like, if you can't accept those two, you don't want to hear the other story. So this is like nowadays you're almost allowed to get into those crazy rumors that have been bouncing around because I will, as a gossip columnist, I can tell you, most of those rumors are true. They're just not as big and blown up as the, as the public. You know, Richard Gere, you know, you've heard the gerbil rumor of Richard Gere. Yeah, you know, yeah, everybody yeah. knows that. Now, now, you know, well, I don't think that's true, but I think he might have experimented with something other than the gerbil. You know what I mean? I, I, like, it, there's got to be some kernel of truth to the big rumor. Um, and I know a lot about those things. So it's very, it's very crazy now that you can kind of allege these things and not sound crazy anymore because the public is seeing, I mean, Harvey Weinstein, the, the stuff he did into a potted plant. I mean, it, it, it's like, I couldn't write that in the movie script. They tell me this is ridiculous. <laughs> Get rid of this. This, 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 this never happens in life, but it does apparently. I mean, you got to put it somewhere. <laughs> I, I look, I, I know like, I know Annabelle. I know so many people. Annabelle is here. I know Lawrence Saban. These are people I've had dinner with and known for years. And I can't believe I would, you know, that they would sit on stories this big. I personally don't think I could ever sit on a story as big as the one they were sitting on. But they did, to their credit. And, you know, Annabelle, a wonderful actress, but she hasn't made millions of dollars where... She had to keep her mouth shut because her career was on fire. You know, she's done well, but my God, it just supposed to show you that if she would have opened her mouth years ago, she felt like she'd never work again. And she was kind of blackballed because she hinted about it. So it's a very weird time because I love Harvey. He was very good to me, but yet I cannot deny the crazy shit he's done. And let me tell you something. The names that are about to fall in the coming weeks are going to blow your mind. You know, I know there's a there's a 19 there's a big producer uh, I mentioned on my podcast, Think Explosions, a big movie producer that's about to fall. Uh, every genre's got them. There's a pig or five or ten in every genre, and this is a new. Uh, here's what I hope. Here's what I can't stand. Though. I don't mind that the big pigs are falling. What I can't stand is these no name actresses who are trying to knock down George Bush Sr. for patting their ass on a photo op. That, I, I can't stand that. I know it's uncomfortable. That's, that's a little much. I, I can't. I can't get it. And there's not only that, but then did you see the, did you see the videos yesterday of Adam Sandler on a talk show in England putting his hand on Claire Foy's yeah. knee? And they slowed it down like a football game. They put it in slow motion. Oh, I, I missed it, but I was jet lagged. I, um, I, 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 I mean, it was, he, he, he touched her knee. I, Adam said, is that a predator? He's a happy Jewish guy who makes millions making jerky movies, <laughs> but they're making him out to be a monster now. I, I, it's very, very scary time. Oh well, my no, God. I, it, wow. Wow. It's, I feel like what's going to happen is eventually, and I think it's people are going to go the other way. We're like, 
I mean, like, look, my mom uh, met my father at work. My parents have been married for like over 40 years. Okay. And they, uh, my mom was my dad's secretary. Well, now right. no one's going to be able to fuck their secretary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I know. No, it's, uh, listen, I don't know what it constitutes sexual harassment anymore. You know, I, I wrote in my book, uh, many, many years ago, uh, that in the eighties, when I was at the newspaper Newsday and the sports department, which was a lot of guys, there were two women who worked there and they told us that us talk like that. We had the transcript of Mike Tyson's rape trial. And we were reading it out loud one night. Oh, God. And but, you know, but, you know, but we were in a newsroom. We were journalists. And we were reading it out loud in Mike Tyson's voice. We were imitating him. Amazing. All right, we laughed. It was funny. But three days later, we got called into Human Resources. A, I never heard of the words Human Resources. This was like 1988. <laughs> I never heard of sexual harassment. We we all looked at each other like, what the fuck does this all mean? Human re- what? We didn't know there was a department that was going. Anyhow, we were told that we could lose our jobs. We had to never speak about that again. And actually, in my back cubicle, I had a poster of the number of the television show American Gladiators. You know, when it oh, first yeah. came out. Well, there was like a hot. There was like a blonde. I forget her name. She was a beautiful blonde. She was a gladiator. And we had a poster of her on the back wall. Nothing revealing. Like, I don't know what she was wearing. Like a, a sports top. They demanded we take that down. And it was a girl who, like, was adamant about filing charges. And the newspaper went crazy. And we almost all lost our jobs. And I'll tell you something right now. None of us lost our jobs. We were one step away from losing our jobs. And I'll tell you, one of the guys that could have lost his job is Tom Verducci. He is now a, a, a head analyst on Fox Sports 1 for the World Series. One was Wallace Matthews, who, was the, who became the president of the Boxing Riders Association. Now he comes to the New York Yankees. There was me and a couple other reporters that you wouldn't know, but they're really good in their field. All of us might not have worked ever because some girl found that offensive. And guess what happened to the girl? Six months later, she quit working for a newspaper, and now she works in insurance. So she could have ruined five lives. She could have ruined five. That's what's scary about this whole thing. It's really scary because none of us were being creepy about women. We were just reading the court transcript. It just, it, it's not right. It's not right. It's, it's nuts. It's completely nuts. And I think that people, especially like millennials, I think that there's this culture of people expecting their feelings to be accommodated. And it's, it's insane. I know. I not, not only that, but I, I, I don't want to get crazy about this, but I did. Uh, yesterday morning or two mornings ago, whatever it was, took my son to school. He's nine and we were there early. So he had to use the boys' room, and I walked in with him, and I blew my nose. And as I was leaving, some landscaper comes to me and goes, sir, you can't be in there. I said, well, why? You can't go in the boys' room. I go, what are you talking about? He says, well, you know, you can't. I said, I'm his father. My son's using the restroom, and I blew my nose. What the hell are you talking about? So I said to my son, I got to go in the office and talk to you. I I said, this is bullshit. So I go to the (laughs) office, five women. Five women, and I go, excuse me. I go, look, and I've been at this school for five years between my daughter and my son. I go, 
why did a landscaper tell me I can't go to the boys' room? Well, she goes, well, technically you shouldn't go in the room. I go, well, why? It, it was empty, and my son had to go. I blew my nose. It's no big deal. Well, it's not that. It's that other boys might be in there. I said, okay, but they weren't. And all right, I'm a father, and I'm with my son. What do you, what do you think has happened over the years? Men became creepy. We all became pedophiles. <laughs> I said, what if, I, what if I take my son to the Dodger game or the Staples Center or the mall? I can't follow him in the bathroom because other little boys are in there. I said, you're lumping a good, loving father into the same shit pile with pedophiles and creeps. And that's fucked up. You can't do that. You're taking this too far. Would you tell a mom she can't take her daughter in there to, 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 to properly wipe herself? Would you eliminate why? Moms can't be creepy? The other, You know what? And I said, I bet the women in that office are so liberal that they accept and they're and are, are all for transsexuals using the room that they feel most comfortable with. Remember that guy, that creep, that guy that wore a Lakers uniform and had like a facial hair and walked into a girl's room? Because he feels comfortable. He feels comfortable. And a lot of people agreed with him. Like, listen, let him go. That's where he feels comfortable. Now, you tell me that guy can go in a girl's room, but I can't go blow my nose with my son and the boys. It's all fucked up. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's got to change. Yeah, it's true. It's pretty scary. I'm, I'm pregnant right now, and I'm having my first. Oh, you are? That's great. How many Thank months? Thank you. Uh, I'm four months, so I'm like, you oh, know, I'm amazing. like hearing all these crazy stories, and I'm like, oh, my God, my little girl is coming into this world, like, shortly. I'm due, you know, March 30th. And it's like crazy, like you said, things have to change. Like there's just so much nonsense and craziness, and it's like you know one person spoils it for all, and it's like you got to figure out yeah. how everybody together. I know, you know something. I never uh, like if my son went to the bathroom and I saw a man take his son in there, I wouldn't assume that man is a creep and is going to yeah. spy on my son. And I wouldn't think that way. He's a dad. He's a dad. So, I, you know, I don't know how we fix this or combat this, but, uh, you know, my son, my kids are 9 and 13. The good news is they, they've been raised in a climate where they, they respect and appreciate every culture, every sexual preference. There, there's a kid in their school that, that is a transition, and I was alarmed by it. And they were like, Dad, no big deal. You know, it used to be Owen, now it's, uh, whatever, uh, Shirley. Like, they don't even care. They're just like, no, it's fine. So the good news is this little generation after us, after you, they're totally cool with everything. And that, thank right. God. Right. Um, you know, that's really good news. And your kid is going to be way beyond that. They're going to friggin' forget it. I mean, I, I just, I kind of miss the old days where, I don't know. Like, yeah, if my son were gay, I, I always said I'd buy him the best dress. I'd make sure his prom dress was amazing. Like, I'm not. <laughs> but I, I want. I want. I've seen him hit home runs and score goals and score touchdowns. And if tomorrow he said, "Dad, I kind of identify," great. So you're, you're going to get the best dress. You're going to get the best high heels. I'm going to. I would do that. But yeah, I, 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 I still like parents to see a boy and think that's a boy he's going to hit home runs and score touchdowns but now they kind of put it in their kids hands like 
you know, like, the, like Brad and Angelina have that kid, Shiloh, that is kind of up for grabs. And Leah Shriver and Naomi Watts, they have a kid that's a boy but dressed as a girl. And no one talks about it. People just don't talk about it. They just act like, hey, that's life. You know, we have to just, I don't know. I don't, it's so weird. It, I'm not putting it down. I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I agree with you. I know it's something uh, coming to be a parent. Like uh, my husband and I have talked about a lot, but it's like totally fine to be supportive, like you said, and, you know, be open. And I agree. I think this next generation is really going to be something. And maybe they'll actually be a really big part of the change and be able to kind of shake things up in a good way. But it's just really interesting how nowadays, like parents, like they almost don't even try to teach their kids, like, you know, certain basic things, like you said, like hit a ball and, you know, be excited about their home. No, they don't. They don't. It's so you know, I I, I I I coach I've coached my kids' teams for four years now: football, basketball, baseball, soccer. And this year, I've got twelve-year-olds on the team, and twelve-year-olds are, you know, obviously they're a little more. They're not nine. They 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 they're in puberty, and they're really starting to understand stuff. And we played this team that had two girls on it, you know, strong girls, good girls. And I said to the I said to the team, listen, do me a favor. You know, we tied this team last last week. Look, we're gonna play them again. You don't want to lose to this team. You don't want to lose to two girls as forwards. You you don't want to lose to to a team with two girls as center forwards. Come on, guys. And one kid who's forward goes, he goes, coach, that's sexist. And I go, oh, it's not. I go, it's not. I go, it's not sexist, Danny. I go, I know your program to say that, and it's it's great that you think the girls are as good as you. But deep down, you must feel like you should beat the girl at sports. You, you just should feel that way. I'm not saying to put her down, but are you, and I'm not, I didn't tell the fan, but I'm, I'm wondering, does she go home at night and think it's perfectly fine that 12-year-old girl beat him and, and played better than him? And if he does, I think that's, all, I think, I think that's awful if he thinks that way. I, I just think it's awful. I think you can put women on a pedestal in many, many different ways, and God knows I do. But to act like, hey, listen, she plays a better center forward than me, I think it's horrible for a boy to think that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I just, I, <clears throat> you know, I don't get it. And, and, and he was like, coach, you're being sexist. And I go, oh my God, I'm in the wrong fucking generation. My God. But it's, it's, I, I look, I get it. I get like, you know, my husband and I were probably going to try in like a year and my husband used to play football and they could have played college football, but he had a knee injury. And I'm like, I want to have a boy and I want him to play football. And he's like, I'm like, no, my kid will kick another kid. Back. <laughs> like, right. Are you going to be bullied? No, not at all. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I, I know. Well, I think it's look, and I even said, I said to the kid, I go, Look, Danny, you're right. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to say she's less of a person, but, you know, down the road, you're going to want your best player on your team to be a boy. And I coach girls. I coach girls. I have a nine-year-old girl on my team, and I, 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 you know, I don't treat her any less than I treat the boys. However, I'd rather my team not lose to to girls. I, I don't know. I, it's doesn't mean they're inferior. I just think that when it comes to sports, contact sport, the boys should should be above and beyond that. I don't know. I, you know, and I, you know, I get shit for that. People tell me, "Oh, you gotta calm down, loosen up." No, I can't. Cause guess what? You know what? If my house is burning down, 
and there were a couple of firemen in the street that he saved my kid, I would point to the six foot, 200 pound man, not the 140 pound woman. I'd want the big fireman to go save my kid, not the woman. Now, does that make me a, a feminist, a chauvinist piece of shit? No, I just think I've, I'm giving myself a more realistic chance of my kid surviving. <laughs> so let me ask you. Now, you said you have a teenage daughter. Are her guy friends, yeah. boyfriends, are they just terrified of you? They, they, no, they, they, we, she's not like, there's been no dates yet. But um, no, no, I don't think so. I know she knows her dad's got a big mouth and I'm, uh, I can be abrasive and what have you. But her mother, uh, my wife has that under control. She knows how to, you know, I don't, I don't have kids that give us trouble. So I don't fear that. Although as a husband, as a, as a dad, I do, I do worry about, you know, the 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid who comes over with the car and they want to drive to this. And, you know, but I think that between me and mainly my wife, my daughter knows what's up. I don't, I don't ever look at her and think, oh, boy, I'm in for it with her. I don't think that. She's gorgeous, <laughs> but she's got a good head. Of, and she's got a big brother named Richie who's built like a brick shit out. She's got a young brother named Rocco, and she's got me. <laughs> I think any boy would be a little petrified when they come here to begin with. They'd be on their best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's true. My my husband already joked. He's like, okay, because he was convinced that we were having a boy from the beginning. And oh then we God, had our gender funny. reveal and, you know, the pink powder exploded and he no longer thought <laughs> It's great like, to have a girl first. No, it's good yeah. to have a girl first. I wouldn't trade that for the world. It makes a man... It makes a man softer and... and um, oh, that's what and, I said. I'm going to tell him you yeah. said that. Awesome. No, it's and important. I, it's really <laughs> important. It's good. It's good. It's great. Yeah, and he joked to me the other day, and he goes, well, I've just decided that once she starts dating, I'll just be sitting in the living room cleaning my guns the entire time. I'm like, oh, Listen, God. I, I, know, I get it, and you know what? I had, I had a girlfriend whose dad did that. My father did it. It's completely understandable. Uh, but, you know, there's something about my daughter, and I don't know. I, she's got a thing about her. She comes from my sister's were virgins. They they didn't. They 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 married men that like they fell in love with first. I, I come from women who are really good, and my wife is great like that. I don't. There's no wild hair female in my family. There's no wild boar that like we go. Oh my god. I hope she's not like Aunt So and So. I don't have that. And I, <laughs> I don't. She's gonna be okay. She'll be cool. And, you know, listen, uh, you know, she's not, she's going to fucking hear about it. But but she's fine. <laughs> she gives me no headaches at all. No headaches at all. I'm scared, though, because she wants to get, she wants, you know, she's in, a, she's in a performing arts school. And here I am knowing the business and talking oh, about all the scandals going on. And I, you know, that, that scares me because she has her heart set on getting in the business. And, you know, this, uh... It's just, it's scary. It's scary. But maybe it'll be better in, in five or six years. It's got to be. It seems to be getting cleaned up. So maybe it's time that they'll have an easier time of it, women, and show this. Yeah, you never know. Now, my husband jokes because of me because I'm, I'm a very sassy woman. And my husband's like, oh, God, she's going to be like you and I'm going to be crude. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good if she has an attitude. It's good. They need to protect her. They, they need to know how to protect themselves. And uh, you should be proud about the sassy thing. That's important. They really, 
I yeah. look. I as much as people say, "Daddy's little girl," etc. You know, the little girl takes after mommy and needs mommy more than daddy in 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 a thousand different ways. And I think after they get older and maybe they're married, then they start to think about daddy. I have I have one more question, and then I'm sure you have sure. much better things to, to do <laughs> than to, because I feel like we've taken up so much of your time and you really appreciate it. i, I got to ask one question. What, what What's the deal with Artie Lang? What, what do you think his, his status is? Because I read some stuff that you wrote for, for Radar, and I feel like the whole thing is so is so sad. Like when Ralphie May died, I was like, yeah. wait, it's not Artie Lang. Yeah, I no, know. it's, a, it's, uh, I love Artie. We have a kinship because, you know, I had the Jackie chair and then I was, uh, I was thrown out of the building and then Artie got the gig and it obviously should have been his gig. He far and away deserved it more than I did. But, uh, you know, drugs are, an awful thing, and he's deep in his addiction. And when, uh, when when him and I got really close, he had that show on the Audience Network, which was brilliant, because Artie, on top of being funny, he's got total recall for movies, sports. Uh, he just remembers everything, and he reminds me of my best friend, who also who killed himself. And Artie is just this wonderful person with a big heart, but that's not what you're seeing now. And he's completely off the rails. And I think it's because there are certain people who, uh, when they get a lot of things in life that are, that are wonderful for them, whether it's the HBO show, the podcast, and his stand-up does very well, I don't think he knows, I don't think he feels, uh, I, don't, I, don't think he, I think he feels unworthy about all that good fortune. And he kind of self, self-destructs. And he's around a few people who let him do that. And one of those guys is Dan Filato, who's his, like, assistant, is there for him all the time. And I've been around him when he's straight as an arrow and the best guy in the world. And I've been around him when he's off his ass and, and, and his enablers don't say shit. And um, it's very sad. And right now, with the Anthony Cumia show he's on, it's just not the Artie I remember. He's got his... He's got his teeth out. He's got some kind of uh, allergic reaction, or some kind of rash on his face. He's not combing mm. his hair. He's just not, he just doesn't give a shit. And as much as I love him, I can't. I'm rooting for him, but I, I, I'm disgusted with him because he's not trying. He's not trying to get better. He's just accepting the fact that he does drugs, and we just have to accept that he gets high. I don't like that because I know his. Heroes are John Belushi, and you know that's great. But when John Belushi went out, he was at the top of his game with a number one movie, a number one album, SNL, and Artie is not. Artie is great, but I just I don't know. We're not talking right now because the, the article on Radar appeared. Even though I was right with what I wrote, he doesn't like that I that I did that. But I don't want to write his obit. So I said to him, I'm going to write whatever I can write, but I'm not going to write your obit. So I please clean up. And how could you get mad at me for wanting you to be better? It doesn't make sense. But I know about drugs. I've had my relationship with drugs. And when you're really into them, I've never been into them like Artie is. But you don't give a shit what people say. You just don't care. 
And he doesn't listen to anybody right now. He's just listening to himself. And why shouldn't he? HBO is throwing money at him. The podcast makes him money. His stand-up makes him money. So nobody's telling him, hey, schmuck, you're going to die. you got to stop. I'm going to cut you off. I'm not going to hire you. They're not doing that. So everybody who needs to think who says they love him, they pay him and they give him money and they enable him. And that's why he's going to fucking die. It's so sad. And it's so, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's like, cause I just think he is, again, someone I've been a fan of since it was, I was too young to be, a, since I was yeah. too young for it to be appropriate. And I'm just like, Oh God. Like you, I feel like I hear something every three weeks now. And it's, it's kind of unnerving. I know it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, his, I mean, even without drugs, his diabetes, uh, his weight, there's so many reasons why he he stands to be uh, he stands to to to, to die or, or become very very sick, and yet he still does it in the face of all these warning signs. So he doesn't really respect life. I don't think Artie cares. I think he thinks he's at the top of his game and it's never going to get better. And I love him, but I think he thinks, "Hey, I did it. I made it. I never thought I'd be here. No one thought I'd be here." And Got no kids, got no wife. When you don't have those things, you don't need, you don't have the feelings to hang on as much. You know, I could never sit in front of my mirror or hide in my bedroom and do a bunch of coke because I've got kids and a wife and I can't die. I'm not allowed to die. Okay? (laughs) I used to be young and I used to get fucked up as much as anybody. And once I had kids and a wife, I said, holy shit, I'm not allowed to die anymore. I can't go out before 30. I can't do that stuff. I can't drive over 100. I can't. Artie don't give a shit. Like, he doesn't care. Doesn't care. So, I know he knows we love him. I know he's happy with the success he's achieved. But I just don't think he cares whether he lives or dies. And I'm tired of telling him he's going to die. So, you know, I wrote him letters privately uh, about how I feel. And uh, he knows. He knows. But... This town is fucked up. I know a lot of people in this business who are the same way. You can't change them. You can't change them. People change when they want to change. You ask David Spade about Chris Farley, he'll tell you the same thing. He couldn't do anything. Farley was Farley until he died. There were certain people like that. Ask Dan Aykroyd how he was about Belushi. You think he didn't try to stop him? Of course he did. Can't stop him. So it is what it is, and that's that. Oh my God! Wait, I wanna I wanna end on a positive note because I know that you yeah. just produced a movie based on oh, um, a YA yeah. book. Oh, that's and cool! So, yeah, yeah. Tell us about, yeah, tell about that. that. So uh, we I produced a movie called So Be It, and it's in theaters now. Select theaters. It wasn't a huge opening, but So Be It is a beautiful book, a young adult book with a great message about a little girl who's trying to find out uh, where she's from, who her daddy is, etc. The book was out over 10 years ago, and uh, I knew nothing about producing a movie, and me and a few guys got together, and we raised close to $7 million across three years, uh, and we got this thing done, and it was cast, and we hired Stephen Gyllenhaal, Jake Stacker, directed, and the little girl who stars in it is Talisa Bateman, who, since she did our movie, has been in about seven other major movies like Annabelle, The Conjuring, Geostorm, 
she's huge. She's going to be like Jennifer Lawrence. I just saw her two weeks ago. I've never produced a movie. I'm so proud of it. Every time I've seen it with my kids, we cry our eyes out. Oh, and um, it's just an amazing thing that I, I, I never thought in a million years. But when I was, well, I, I don't want to go back too far, but six years ago, I was really on my ass, had no money left, basically homeless, went to go live with my sister in New York, my family, got my hands on this book, read the book, cried my eyes out. And that book made me write my book, 74 and Sunny, which I subsequently sold. And now it's been optioned and it'll, it'll, we're writing it into a movie. But this little book changed a lot of people's lives. And then we produced it. And here we are five years later. It's in theaters. Um, it's just an amazing thing from kids or adults. When you see this, you'll cry your eyes out and really feel good. And it's the movie I was happy to make because... I have kids, and I'm—I I don't like to have to change the channel when my kids walk in the room. I like to be able to watch something with everybody, and not to sound like an old dad, but this is a movie you can watch and not worry about who's walking in, what are they seeing. God knows I have those shows. I watch Ray Donovan and, and the Deuce and everything else, but this movie, without going too crazy, it's a beautiful movie. Hey, look, it's going to be around forever. Still be it as a really sweet, sweet movie. I don't care if it makes shit or a fortune i'm proud to be a producer of it and uh yeah you'll see it. you'll like it you'll like when your kid gets old enough you'll watch it with the kid she'll go oh my god she'll love it when you see your daughter cry from a movie you produce it's a success whether it makes money or not that's that's amazing that's amazing <laughs> yeah i never thought that would fall in my lap I got to tell you, you know, we, we, did, we didn't even get into me being homeless six years ago with my family and this thing, this book falling in my lap and uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of people I know, mainly one guy, uh, can we produce this? What do we do? How do we do it? Literally, like trying to build a model airplane. Like, how do we do this? Uh, well, we got to start a company. Well, what it? Like everything from the ground up and... Uh, we started calling investors $60,000 at a time and we raised $7 million and we shot it. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm very proud of it. Very proud of it. Um, and, uh, you know, so when I get behind something that I love, I think it'll be a success. That's why I think fame is a bitch. The podcast will work. Um, and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep pushing it. And I thank you for having me on and let me talk about it. And, uh, oh my God, I mean, you know, oh, literally I was like, as soon as you answered and said you would come on, I you literally texted me. Texted me. I was like, oh my God, I was like, call me right now. Call me right now. And I called her and I was like, what is happening? Who's dying? Like, what is going on? And she's like, no, hey, you're going to the podcast. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I'm so excited, but you are clearly 10 times more high pitched, like, excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, well, when you reached out to me, I remember going, who are these girls? What is this? Who are these people? Uh, who are these two valley girl? These valley girl. What's I don't know. You sounded eighteen years old. I go. They can't know me. This is ridiculous. who are they? And but you know. But whenever somebody says that they're a fan and they can prove it, and they no, I knew you weren't bullshitting me. That's all right. You know, I like this. This is fun. I I, I like anybody with extreme energy and and. You know what you want. You guys know what you want to do and how you want to be portrayed and how you want to speak. So, 
I'm all for it. You know, I, I've shut people down who called me and who picked the phone up and started talking to me and asked me questions that are completely off Wikipedia. And by the way, just so you know, my Wikipedia page mainly was written by my nephew and most of it is completely a joke. It's all made up. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he asked me as a harmonica expert and I was a bouncer at a strip club in New Jersey and <laughs> I was in a band. So when people call me and start talking about the harmonica and the strip club, I just go, I can't fucking continue this conversation. You never read my <laughs> book. You don't look at my shows. You know nothing about me. I can't do this. So you guys yeah, passed the test. We really, really appreciate it. Great. I know. It's great. Super fan, and she. I didn't even look at the Wikipedia. She, no, she already knew. <laughs> and then she, since she got me into, I started listening to all your podcasts, and then I started looking up like some of the older clips. So I mean, we were so excited to have you on. Yeah, this was really cool. No, my my inner child is, you know, very, very Yeah, we're going to have a phone. Amanda's going to go, like, dance around in her little maroon dress right now. (laughs) Or I can get her out of my house. That's great. That's great. Well, tell me me when it airs. Tell me when it's on. And uh, I can't wait to hear it. That's great. Monday? Okay, good. That's great. We'll send you, like, the link and everything, and we'll promote it. All right. Have you and you, watch? You bet. Other podcasts are gonna hit you up, and you're gonna have to yeah, call no. us and be like, "Allie and Amanda were my girls originally." Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're like, I'll, I'll I'll give you a shout out. Don't worry about it. Good. I know how to pay it back. I know how to pay it back. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're the original OG. Yeah, we're, we're the original OG. Um, AJ girls. Um, is there anything? So you have your podcast, and we put all the links in the show notes, so no one has to pull over if they're driving and you know okay. have an accident. But is there anything specific you want to plug? I think, you know what, right now, my book's been out for a year and a half. That's not, I think I'll just plug the, I'll plug the podcast. I'll send you a link to that. You know, everything else. Uh, right now, the book is something that is turning into a movie. But, you know, no one's going to, I don't, I don't care if people go to Amazon and buy the book. That's not going to make me money. It's all about the podcast right now. That really is what it's all about. <laughs> So you know? we'll plug your pod. You want us to plug your social media, your Twitter, your Instagram? Yeah, I'll send you everything. I'll, I'll send you everything. Awesome. Yeah, no problem. All right. This is All right, babe. Thanks. So thank much. you so much. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, AJ. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye, bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. How to Jane Fonda. One, two, three, four. Get your booty on the dance floor. Work it out. Shake it, little mama. Let me see you do the Jane Fonda. Five, six, seven now. If you don't know, let me show you how to work it out. Work it, little mama.